Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm journalist Holly Rubenstein and today I'm your co-host as I'm joined by my other half, my partner in life and travels, Alex, who is going to be interviewing me about my travel diaries. That's right, after nine seasons, 99 episodes and quite a few requests over the years, I thought it was about time that I shared with you some of the many destinations that have shaped my life. I hope that in this episode, you'll get to know a little bit more about me. So from Miami to Montecito, Scotland to Switzerland and many, many more, here are my travel diaries. How do we start this off? I mean, I'm interviewing you, but you're the host of the Travel Diary. So who's who's welcoming who today? I am making you the honorary host. I'm the host. The okay. Honorary host today. Okay, wow. Okay, right. No pressure. Holly, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. Is that how we start? Yes. Thank you so much, Alex Husband. Thank you so much for joining me. We are recording this in a brief moment while our baby is asleep. Yep. I have to say I was offered some really great um, possible people to interview me for this episode, but I just thought it had to be you while we could sneak it in while she's having a quick I nap. I feel like I was probably the last resort in, in, <laughs> to, in doing this. But the tables have turned. The interviewer becomes the interviewee. How are you feeling about that? Well, it's something that um, my lovely listeners have asked about basically since the podcast began. Like They said, when are you going to do your travel diaries? And I've just always felt like it hasn't felt like the right time and my guests have always just had these incredible stories to tell. But now, it being episode 100. 100. Which Congratulations. Is, huge milestone. Huge, huge milestone. I can't quite believe it. So now it feels like the right time. To, well, given to you share. have had 100 episodes and given your wonderful listeners have been asking for this for many years there is no excuse for bad answers here because you've had years to prepare for this well it's really funny isn't it because you and I have often talked like when we've been away at dinner and things about how, what, how we would what would be our travel diaries and things like that but then when push comes to shove like on when it's on the day I can so see why so many of my guests are so they're like so conflicted about their choices and I'm just having to go with what comes to mind today i've tried not to prepare because i want to just see what comes into my head okay wow so this is an off-the-cuff response to the questions wow well let's let's get going okay with the very first chapter of holly rubenstein's travel diaries your earliest childhood travel memory well that has to be miami in florida in the usa yep so I first, not that I remember this, but I first flew to Miami when I was 10 weeks old. 10 weeks? 10 weeks, yeah. Wow. having just done a flight with a five-month-old. Yeah. I cannot Kudos to my mum. how difficult <laughs> a 10-week-old was on what would have been a 10-hour flight. That, yeah, nearly, nearly, yeah. Although I think I probably slept most of the way, obviously. Yeah. But Miami has an incredibly special place in my heart. It's a place where my grandma, so my dad's mum, lived in South Florida. And she lived in an apartment in a condo, in an apartment building. And then we had an apartment in the same building. And going there on most school holidays to see her was 
without question, actually, the highlight of my childhood. And I still dream about Miami as though it's, you know, a place that I'm going to all the time. Yet in the last 10 years, you and I have only, we've only been there once, haven't yeah. we? Um, so it's a place that is a treasured, treasured memory. We, I, I remember so distinctly the excitement throughout my childhood of getting, uh, ironically, loving flying at that time, getting... Um, onto the plane being you, you get such a fuss made of you when you're little when you get on the plane you know they gave you those like little, those little pouches those little activity yeah. bags they take you to see the, see the pilot yeah yeah exactly we flew pan am oh uh we always flew pan am i remember so distinctly the that point when you get above the clouds when you're on the plane and then it's just a blue, sea a sea of clouds blue. below you yeah and it's just blue sky and the sun would flood in into the plane and it would fill me with this excitement that we were about to get to this destination that meant so much to me and then when we landed in Miami and we'd come out of the air conditioning into the car park which was underground and this sea of humidity would hit us yeah that I remember I can remember the smell so distinctly and you could hear like the the rustle of the palm tree leaves that would be like as you kind of came out uh, out of the car park and it it felt so different to England and what at that time so like 30 years ago America was so was in many ways like really far ahead of the UK yeah so like the films came out in the cinema like a year beforehand sometimes months in advance they came out on video months in advance um there were things in the supermarket that were completely different there were shampoos you could buy in the pharmacy that they didn't have in England and so weirdly it's the really like mundane things that stick in my memory going to this going to the cinema seeing films that felt so exciting because no one had seen them watching tv and watching like friends and the season before it would have been the season in the UK yeah exactly yeah that and going to office depot and buying sparkly gel pens now, that I was gonna they ask didn't you about have this. i was going to ask you about this because i've obviously been to miami with you and the the reflection that i had was it's a very different experience being um a split nationality person where some of your family lives abroad because when you go on holiday it's not you're not really going on a holiday to travel you're going on a holiday to live your second life somewhere else mm. and the things that yeah. you do are quite mundane like you go to the supermarket a lot you go to the to the to the mall yeah. you go to office depot a lot like <laughs> what are a few of the the like second life things because like, you've told me a few before that that spring to mind when you think of that life in Miami oh I'm going to Barnes and Noble the bookshop um I'd sit and get a big pile of books and they had Starbucks in Barnes and Noble like this is way before there were kind of coffee shops in bookstores in England so that smell of coffee yeah. still always takes me back to Barnes and Noble going to the mall you know, yeah. going that the smell of the fountains in the mall. The Holly w- took me to this mall, by the way, as part of her tour of Miami. I was taken yeah. to it was a Ventura, Aventura, Aventura Mall. Well, it's one of the biggest malls in America, actually. Yeah. And what did you think of it? I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of you know when you're young, you think of like '90s America, and uh, a shopping mall is is pretty pervasive in terms of your thinking of America. So when you go there. It's every chain and, and department store you thought of, but supersized. Yeah, it's you know, beautiful. It is also be- quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Macy's, J.C. Penney, yep. Sears, 
all the Bloomingdale's obviously all the good ones yeah so it was like you say it was those like mundane things going to Publix the supermarket American my American audience will will, will know all these names yeah. of course but in, in England like Publix I suppose would be a bit like Tesco's <laughs> but it was so exciting I would see these like piles of cookies or basically so much unhealthy food like all the most amazing cakes and we went to Cheesecake Factory the Cheesecake Factory yeah, yeah. That, that was a, another trip down Nostalgia and, Lane and actually that, that mall has a very special place in our history and I'm sure we'll touch on this later but that was where I bought the shirt that we eventually well I eventually got married in I oh, really I didn't yeah. know that yeah in oh. Nordstrom oh right yeah go. well there you go there you go um I, I should say now that um, kind of wanting to evoke Miami beyond Office, Deep, the office yes. Depots in the street. Because I think of 90s Miami, I think of Will Smith, I think of the beach, I think of yeah. Art Deco districts. Like, yeah. Let's talk more about that. What yeah. about the rest of Miami? Well, I, I think that Miami is um, really a, a Marmite destination. And unless it's a place that you know, you could end up having not a great time there, I would say, because a lot of it, could feel like you're staying in maybe like Leicester Square in England or Times Square yeah. and in that it's like that there are some very touristy parts that if you get sucked into staying down on South Beach in the kind of South Beach strip where there are uh, a lot of clubs and things it could be very noisy and a bit raucous there's a lot more to Miami than that firstly it's an unbelievable cultural melting pot I mean you know the f- first language of Miami being Spanish, Spanish. Yeah. And to go there, keeping with my childhood memories, you know, to go to go there where people were speaking Spanish around me, where there were Cuban influences, where there were Haitian influences, Latin American influences. That was so exciting. You know, it felt like I was in this really unusual place. And we'd pick up on that when we'd go to Little Havana, which is a district of Miami, which is populated by Cubans and they have incredible cuban restaurants we went to to one that had a queue outside versailles it was an absolute institution yeah and i remember queuing and the food was just astonishing yeah and, and the, it's a slice the thing is it's a real authentic slice of cuba in florida i yeah. think that's the point is that these pockets really really feel um like you're you're in cuba i think yeah. that's what's what's amazing about it since i grew up in miami so much has changed i mean there are whole districts that didn't exist so the windward walls yeah. which is such a cool area if you were to go to miami now it's a kind of str- it reminded me a little bit maybe of shoreditch would you say um like street art really cool like craft breweries all quite low rise isn't yeah i think it? that's a really good analogy i mean it's essentially quite gritty. Kind of, it's it's a grid or, a, or an area i can five by five sets of streets all of which is flooded with graffiti art cool cafes cool restaurants yeah um and, and it had a, a really really cool atmosphere yeah and uh, not far at all from the beach not i mean that's the thing with miami is that you're always just a stone's throw from the most incredible stretch of golden sand the water is warm and of course like you know the art deco architecture like you can't you can't compete with the oldest, most perfectly preserved strip of Art Deco architecture in the world. Like, there's some great walking tours you can do around those. Yeah, in. yeah, and then you're in such close proximity to the Everglades. See, this is a this is a state where there are alligators running around, there are manatees, there are dolphins. It's, Holly likes Florida, in case you hadn't realised. <laughs> well, well, I like South Florida. I haven't travelled much True, around yeah. the north yet. And and obviously, Southern Florida, the Keys, holds a very special place. 
yeah in our hearts and actually that's not in my travel diary so yeah the isla mirada which is um just about an hour and a half's drive from um miami was it yeah. about an hour and a half um is one of the first of the florida keys which are little islands that kind of are dotted off the end of florida and they're all connected by bridges and um they're beautiful i mean they're one re- single bridge in reality one yeah, single one road single just in- goes through all the islands yeah and um, Alex and I got engaged there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a, a beautiful, peaceful, tropical uh, And spot. lots of people go down to right the southern tip to, to, Key, West. to Key West. But yeah. we stayed in Isla Mirada, which is a slightly quieter island in the middle. And we stayed at a wonderful hotel. Yeah, actually, oh my gosh, that would be such a perfect hidden gem. Yes. Um, but I'm, it isn't my hidden gem. So it's called Casa Mirada. And if you're flying to Miami, a lot of people fly to Miami to then transit onto other destinations. And Including Bahamas and things, but it, yeah. you can go to, the, I mean, it's, it feels like the, the, like the Caribbean when you're on these islands, yeah. because it essentially is the Caribbean, it's yeah. the Caribbean Sea. Is it? I'm now questioning myself, but I think so. No. It's well, at least the Atlantic Ocean. side. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to check this out. We'll have to check this out afterwards. <laughs> Regardless, it's very, very warm, the, the water yeah. there and clear. So yeah, Casamarada and our daughter, Isabella, her middle name is Isla, which is because of Isla Mirada, because we um, wanted to lots commemorate people, that. Lots of people might think it's Isla after the island in Scotland, but actually no, it's a more Isla, tropical. Isla, Isla Mirada. Right, so from that earliest formative experience onto the place that you first fell in love with? You know, I always get a little bit frustrated with some of my guests. I give the same answer for every chapter because there's a place that means so much to them. It's not Miami, is it? Well, no, but but it actually would be the first place I fell in love with. Yeah. It would be Miami, but I'm not going to say Miami because I, there's a, the second place that I fell there in you love go, with. Yeah. <laughs> I would say is Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. So that was my first taste I think of like real paradise and was something that you know we built up to for months and months and months at home the excitement going to Hawaii like that was something that we how old were you I think I would have been probably about nine I want to say and we flew first to San Francisco because some of my family were there and then from there we boarded Again, an exciting memory relating to planes. We boarded Hawaiian Airlines where everything was purple. And when when you got onto the plane, they put the lays around your neck, you know, the flower garlands. Um, And all the uh, crew were wearing the lays the whole way as well. They were playing the tropical... I love that. That's the only... It's so rare to get like an airline experience where you're kind of already... Transport. The only time that's come close was when we flew to Iceland. Yes, and they had those twinkling lights, like the 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 northern Northern lights. Lights, Yeah, Um, and that was amazing. You kind of feel like you're kind of gradually moving your way into the Arctic, kind of north. (laughs) Yeah, this was like moving into like ulti tropical destination. It was just so exciting. More airlines should do that. I agree, but I guess not many are associated with a specific destination. Um, but we, yes, that was the first place I fell in love with because it was so exciting from as the journey and then landing, we landed, I think we landed on Oahu actually, where we didn't spend any time. I think that's quite a touristy spot. We transferred immediately to Kauai 
um, that was our, we did a little, little tour of some of the islands. So we went to Kauai first, which I remember so distinctly as being so abundant with unbelievable tropical birds, parrots and amazing butterflies. And it was just so vibrant and it was, it was kind of Jurassic in feeling because it was just so green and verdant and amazing. And then we went to the big island and stayed in a place called Hilo. And it was there, I think, that really I fell in love with because Hilo, we, from there we visited Mount Kilauea. And Mount Kilauea is an active volcano that's spewing lava all the time. And from different parts of the island, you just see a like an orange glow mm. in the air. Wow. And it just was like, how can we be here? How, like, how, how can we be so close to this geographic wonder? It just felt so... Oh, it was just so invigorating and exciting. And we went for this walk along the lava fields, along just black, crusty lava fields that just went on and on and on and with the glow of the volcano in the in the distance. And yeah, I just remember thinking how exciting it was. And and then from there we flew to Maui and we actually stayed in the White Lotus Hotel from season no way. one. Yeah. And I just remember, I mean, obviously I'd had a taste of that tropical experience spending time in Miami, but there was just something about it's Hawaii. It's a different type of tropical Yeah, though. it was a really different type of tropical. It's more natural and, and yeah. you know, island-based rather than Miami, which is kind of, yeah. obviously a lot of it is constructed. So yeah. with high rises and, yeah, and, and those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, I really recommend Hawaii as a place to visit. It is a collection of islands that are, also individual in their in their characteristics Kauai to Ma- to Maui to Big Island like Big Island's climate Big Island's topography is so different so like one trip there you can experience so much and I think actually looking through my travel diaries diversity within short proximity is definitely place is something that I see as okay. a huge selling point for travel definitely. yeah it's it's Hawaii is a place for me that I would put alongside like Bora Bora and the Galapagos Islands that are kind of these places that almost feel like impossible to get to mm. and seem to hold so much wonder for those that have been there. But yeah. it's like you really have to commit to, to a trip there. Well, certainly from the UK, you really yeah, have to of commit. Course, yeah. yeah, It's a destination that you can reach relatively easy from the US. But for us, it was like 17 hours of flying. So it was like a really, really big deal. Now, you asked your your listeners to send in some questions. Yes. Um, and you haven't seen these? No. Nope. Uh, well, I saw them when they came in on my Instagram, but well, I have I've, no idea I've what then, you're asking me. I've then sifted through them. And first shout out to Josh Johnson, who has asked for every chapter to also ask the equivalent for hotels. Now, we're not going to do that for every chapter. No, because we're already at 20 minutes here. Um, but do you, given you are such a hotel aficionado, it's one of your passions, and I'm sure we'll get to that later. Mm. Do you remember the first hotel you fell in love with well yeah it would be that it would be the, the white lotus one the white lotus one which was the four seasons in maui and that must be doing a serious trade off the back of, of, yeah. of that yeah um okay so that you're what nine years old um and uh obviously now the audience knows you as a travel journalist podcaster mm. um what they probably don't know about you is that you've had a number of career trajectories since then before then before then in fact <laughs> um you can tell i'm not a professional uh tell us about your budding career as a singer 
Oh, well, yeah. So I thought that I would have ended up as a professional singer songwriter. I mean, that was what, when I was at school, I thought was going to be my career path. So when I was about 15, I want to say, I, um, so I was, I was very musical at school, played the piano and clarinet and saxophone and sung a lot, um, and was very into composition. And, um, when I was about 15 or so, yeah, I was discovered in inverted commas by, by a record producer. And, um, I was taken to a recording studio and we wrote loads of songs and, for several years that was you know deemed to be my career path it was an extremely exciting time I got to record an album which no one has ever heard sadly (laughs) but I got to record several tracks at Abbey Road Studios which of course was like you know the place to to be still is um and is another memory that like another time in my life that I treasure so so much you know that the experience of collaborating with Grammy winning producers and songwriters I recorded several tracks with one of Sting's producers and like his Grammys were just sitting behind us I I loved the creative process of of writing a song and adding in all the vocals doing all the backing vocals layering it up and I would gig a lot all across London but it it was also an industry that after several years of trying to make it, I was offered different record deals, including one in Miami, actually, where I flew out to Miami to to speak with them. But people will probably know that, you know, making it in music is is really like quite, there are so many hurdles you have to overcome. So you can be offered the deal, but then you have to, you know, then record the album and then that has to be a success and the next one has to be a success and all of that kind of thing. And it got to a point when I chose to go to university and I did carry on gigging and recording but I gradually decided that the industry wasn't for me it was quite seedy if you if you you know think back to when that would have been like late 90s early noughties Mm. well like early noughties you know you think of some of the people that have been through that and the difficulties they like think of Britney for instance and and the pressure she was put under it was quite a weird industry at the time it's certainly changed since and actually it was Britney Max Martin and Britney's team that my initial kind of meetings and stuff were about going to record with wow um but yeah a different a different side of my life but it has all led to where I am now because I was gigging with people like Ed Sheeran and um, Jesse J. And when I was at university, I decided I wanted to write about music instead. And so I could get interviews with some of these people who were kind of my peers in the gigging scene, quite quite good exclusives, really. And then from there, got into music journalism and into entertainment journalism. And then that kind of led to where we are now. Well, a huge journey of discovery through those chapters Mm. work chapters and that leads me to chapter three which was or is the uh, place you learnt the most about yourself Mm. I think this is a really hard chapter and a hard chapter for all of my guests to answer I'm going to say Frankfurt in Germany wow didn't expect that yeah I decided to go to Frankfurt for medical treatment for a long-term health condition that I've had since my late teens which has you know certainly been life-limiting for me on the day-to-day I have quite a lot of chronic pain and fatigue issues not something I want to dwell on and something that I kind of keep quite separate from the podcast but um though the treatment that I 
had there was unsuccessful. The place that I was staying in also treated uh, people who had cancer, um, people who were certainly at the end of their life. And we were all there kind of sitting around, like hooked up to IV drips. And I couldn't stop picturing myself being in different environments to what I was in then. So I would be, I think I talked to you when you were out there a lot about places I I was like, I just want to be in the mountains or I just need to be by the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, almost like to a kind of an obsessive level, which I realized like I was kind of just desperately trying to kind of transport my, my mind to be in a, in an environment that would be peaceful and healing and stuff. Not that it wasn't where I was, but you know, I wanted to be somewhere, somewhere else, somewhere. A sort of form of escape. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it really struck me while I was there that I had to make travel a part of my life that I thought about it all the time Mm. and we talked about it all the time and I had to do what I could to include travel within my career. Yeah. At that time I was the entertainment producer on Good Morning Britain, which what, which is, if you're a, um, an international listener, I imagine it's like Good Morning America or Good Morning Australia, yeah. um, a breakfast TV show. And those hours weren't really conducive to my health issues. And it was just quite a, a full on job. And I, I thought to myself, I need to find a way that I can integrate travel into my life. So I think it was while I was out there that I actually wrote a, a pitch to the Telegraph for a travel story. And because I'd written for other newspapers, thankfully, I mean, I thank my lucky stars, it was commissioned. And that kind of set the ball rolling where I had a part of my life that involved travel. I was able mm. to talk about travel and how, how much I cared about it. And soon after that, I decided to um, to start the podcast because I felt that there was this gap in the market for combining travel and entertainment. And I love podcasts and I loved interviewing celebrities that was what I was used to doing in my career previous to that um so being in Frankfurt I think taught me about perseverance it taught me about ambition it taught me about acceptance like you know I I have to accept who I am with my physical limitations um and work around them in in every sense and it taught me about hope really because I decided there and then that I was going to take a, a punt on on this on this challenging and, and competitive field. And and one step further was starting the podcast, you know, venturing into completely new territory at that time. Podcasts weren't such a big thing then. No, very few people had a podcast, whereas everyone seems to have a podcast now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was just a really pivotal point in my life which I couldn't have done without you supporting me to decide to make that decision and I kept you know my other work on the back burner I did shifts and things as a as a tv producer but it was that time where I decided I wasn't going to let my physical limitations stop me and I was going to go for it and I'm really pleased that I did because look where we are now episode 100 <laughs> it's yeah I, I i didn't think you'd say frankfurt because you kind of you 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 sometimes leap to a, a place that is is um epic in its own proportions and that place teaches you something 
and lots of your guests have had great answers where the place itself has delivered something but this more was a case of the situation yeah um making you reflect on it and i think it's a, a great answer about the power of travel um you know people leap to and i leapt to earlier the, the the point about escape but also offers hope it offers new horizons it offers energy perhaps when energy is lacking mm. uh, and i think that's a quite a nice love letter albeit in 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 difficult circumstances to the power of travel absolutely yeah um okay um what can i just ask out of interest what you thought i was going to say um I, do you know what i hadn't i hadn't spent too much time thinking about what your answers were going to be i'd kind of imagined they were like um sort of going to be this epic destination maybe i thought you might have said our road trip around the u.s oh right yeah um but actually, you bring up traveling around the US, which is something that we did quite extensively a few years ago. And moving on to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm the host here. <laughs> I'm the host here. Moving on to chapter four, your all-time favorite destination. You have to use the phrases that I say. Okay. Let's pause here and go on to chapter four, your all-time favorite destination. The big one. The big one. The yes. big one. The tricky Such one. Such a tough one. Yes. Such a tough one. Um, <laughs> I would say it is California. Okay. I'm going to go quite broad there. Yeah. I'm going to say that's because a trip to California can include a desert experience in Joshua Tree or in Palm Springs. Yep. So full of history and heritage. Then, you know... Big Sur, the big mountains, the dramatic cliff drops looking out to the Pacific and then moving up along Highway 1. I mean, my point being it's such a diverse state and I love LA. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, I know you, you, you don't love it as much as I do, but to me, there's an energy about Los Angeles, which is magical. Yeah. In fact, I would go so far to say as it's electrifying for me. I sensed that when we arrived, it yeah. was, and, and you hadn't been there in a long time. No. And so, um, I think the thing with, for, for me with LA is it's, it goes a little bit back to your point earlier about Hawaii and having lots of things in close proximity. I find LA is weird calling it LA because it is about four or five different, very different towns slash cities all jumbled together in one behemoth kind of metropolis mm. that if you if you go thinking i want to sample la you need to go and actually say to yourself no i need to sample the five different parts of la from santa monica to west hollywood to malibu which really is still kind of part of the the wider la space yeah and if you don't do that you'll, you'll get beverly hills you'll get a very different experience Venice. um and if you try and do them all in one day for instance you're gonna spend half your day on a freeway getting frustrated with traffic yeah i mean were it not for the traffic more people would love la yes. i mean frankly it needs a metro yeah well it has a metro it doesn't go very far though no it's not something that's used yeah a great deal um i love los angeles because i you know, having mentioned my previous life as a singer and then going on to work on red carpets, which is what I did on my 20s interviewing, you know, celebrities about their films and their TV shows there. It's just a world that I like had a taste of yeah. in London. And then you land in LA and it's like, that is Hollywood, you know, the glamour, the excitement, 
the palm trees lining the streets. I, I adore Santa Monica and and Venice, walking along the Venice canals. The fact that there are canals running through right by the beach there with the little bridges that go over It's them. my favorite spot in LA is Santa Monica and the Venice canals. Yeah. It's just, that's got such an energy to it. It's Even so, more so, so than great. the rest of it. And but listen, I don't want to just stick on LA. No, no, so let's, I was going to ask you. Yeah, um, okay, going on to Santa Barbara. Um, Montecito. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that is another place that is an all-time favorite. We often talk about wanting to live there, in fact, even. I mean... Harry and Meghan beat us to it. Well, bloody Harry and Meghan, because Alex and I got married on the beach in Montecito, in, yep. which is near to Santa Barbara, um, uh, as part of a, a road trip that we did in the US, uh, quite a spontaneous decision. We had a proper wedding in England. Then Harry and Meghan were inspired by us, I would say clearly. Yes, they obviously looked at your Instagram, saw the pictures and thought we should move there. Yes. And inflate the house prices by 10x. Exactly, exactly. Then Ariana Grande moved there. Um, So I don't think we'll be living there anytime soon. But it's certainly... priced out. Yeah, it's certainly um, an all-time favorite destination. And then, I mean, California, we still haven't gone up to, you know, San Francisco, wine country and beyond. The the national parks. uh, Of course, and the national parks, which I was going to also mention. So, I mean, I think that I could have my next 10 to 15 holidays in California alone. Today's episode is supported by CV Villas. Villa holidays are booming after the pandemic and it's not surprising to be able to have a home all for yourself where everyone can get together is such a luxury. CV Villa's 2023 collection of incredible destinations for your next holiday is on sale now. They handpick their properties in the most beautiful places across Europe, Morocco, Sri Lanka and the Caribbean, selected for their location, quality and facilities. And what's more, each one of their destinations offers cultural and immersive experiences guaranteed to capture your heart. So from boat hire in Corfu and private chef services in Mallorca to wine tasting in Tuscany and safari tours in Sri Lanka, the team will help you create a trip of a lifetime. It's super easy to book with packages that include the villa, flights, car hire and experiences and booking with CV means booking with confidence because your packages are protected. It's not too late to book your 2023 summer villa holiday. So why not make it one to remember and give their villa specialists a call or visit cvvillas.com. That's cvvillas.com to find out more. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. 
It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos visiting some places that have been on my bucket list and while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. What came close? What was what was second? What what was right? What was in the running when when you chose California? What was what was the one competing to to be top spot? Oh, that's interesting. I well, I had a lot of cities then that I was thinking about. Okay, we'll hold that then because I've got a quick fire round where we'll we'll touch on cities. Okay. With that in mind, mm. let's jump to that. So, um, oh, we're going to go to quick fire now. Unless there's more about California you want no, to touch no, on. No, no, yeah, let's do quick fire then. So this has been, um, a, lot, a lot of your listeners have helped this, but the okay. first few ones are going to be instinctive answers, okay? Okay. One word. One word only? One word. Okay, fine. Beach or mountain? Oh my God. Beach. City break or nature break? Nature break. By the sea or by the pool? Pool. Hot or cold? Hot. Fly and flop? Or big adventure? Oh, I mean, both. They're a big adventure. Emma23 wants to know, and I know the answer to this, do you go with the flow or do you plan? Plan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hotels, boutique or old classic? Boutique or or old classic? Yeah. Boutique. Um, That's quite quite, quite a weird category differentiation there. I went went with it. Okay, fine. (laughs) Right. Now we're moving up to one word answers. These will take some time for you to think about. Okay. Your all time favourite hotel. Oh, I mean, we have talked about this endlessly, haven't we? At this moment in time, the hotel that comes to my mind is the Waldorf Astoria Maldives Ethafishi. Our honeymoon. Yeah. That was just the most incredible place. Yes, yeah. And it. it's it's interesting when you, you see now people write about it, they seem to write in those terms that mm. it is the the best in the Maldives, the best in the world. It's, it's Divya Tani, the Condé Nast Traveller editor, who was on a few weeks ago, she's there at the moment and saying how incredible it is. And I imagine she's visited a lot of the Maldives. Okay, so this again was a request from a lot of your listeners to shift to more UK-focused places. So what's your UK favourite hotel? Oh, UK obviously includes Scotland. and Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking of England. I would say that we had an amazing stay at 57 Nord in Kintale Mountains um, in Scotland, which isn't a hotel. No. It's a private hire rental, um, which looks out over the lock and over Aileen Donan Castle um, is, a, is a decent price, I would yes. say. Yeah. For what you get, it's, for a, what you get. it's an amazing, amazing value. Um, and... 
just the most beautiful landscape. All about that vista. All about that. Okay, uh, favourite country? Not the UK. I mean, re- realistically, I would probably go between... Mm. I mean, the US have been like yeah. two of your chapters yeah, so I, far. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think it is the US because it's a country I know best. Um, but in terms of Europe, I'd go for probably like in, in Italy. Italy, okay. Yeah. And then if we shift that to the UK, which region or county holds the most in your heart? Well, West Sussex. Yes. Not that I grew up in West Sussex, actually. I grew up in Surrey. But West Sussex, I think, is full of hidden gems that I am a huge advocate for. Yeah. Tune into my uh, National Parks episode where I chat about how much I love West Sussex and the South Downs, and Arundel, Petworth, Midhurst, beautiful villages. If there is a West Sussex oh, tourist should, board. Well, and obviously, the, we've been to the Cotswolds loads as well. I love the Cotswolds too. But I mean, West Sussex. Yes, I... That's I would, the first thing that sprung to mind. Yes, this is part of, part of this is... Yeah, like, clearing you know, that head. If there was a West Sussex tourist board, they, you should be on the payroll because this is <laughs> some serious kudos we're giving to West Sussex. Um, okay, favourite city? Favourite city was between Prague, Lisbon and Barcelona. And I'm wow. going with Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. What, we will say this, one of the very few cities in Europe. Big Which cities that have that have a yeah. beach. Oh, that have a beach, yeah. Love a beach city, like Miami. Yeah. And it just adds a whole new layer to visiting there that you don't Absolutely. normally get. Exactly. Again, a destination that offers multiple things in, in one, one location. In one location. There we go. Here's the theme of this, of the, of this episode. Mm. Right. You don't know these are coming. Okay. I'm going to turn the table on your own podcast on you. What do you mean by that? Favourite chapter. Of the answers that you've been given, what's your favourite chapter? chapter? Well, I would say Hidden Gem, definitely. It's unearthed some absolute classics. Or less so so classics. A a Hidden Gem that was picked by one of my guests is now my Hidden Gem on this podcast. Wow. Well, there was a a question about that. Which bit of advice from your guests have you enacted? So why don't you tell us? Or is this an answer for later? It's an answer for later. Okay. Um, what's your favourite ever answer that a guest has given you? Oh, Alex, that's a really hard question. Um, I, I don't want to kind of bring down the mood a bit, but I, I suppose it's the answers where my guests have been really, where actually where travel has been really emotional for them. And what my listeners won't know from listening today is like when I was talking about Miami there, I was like, I had a lump in my throat, like I was swallowing back. It's it just talking about it so emotional for yeah. me and it's the times when my guests you know w- it is generally like sadder memories but a destination just brings brings it all up for them i remember um, hugh bonneville was hugh particularly bonneville sad. talking about being in india when his mum had passed away and he ch- went to this remote place to read the letters that people had sent to him when joe malone talked about going to new york and going through cancer treatment there it's uh, those kind of times when people just are so clearly like transported in their mind to that moment in time. And it just shows just how powerful travel is, how emotional travel is. So I think it's those moments when people are sharing like that kind of intimate story with me. I feel so honored and touched that they're there with me sharing that. Maybe favorite's not the the right word. It's almost like most cherished answer because it means so much to them. It's touching. And I think to myself how lucky I am to be sitting among such interesting people and for them to be so honest with me, I think, you know, because... In, in when I was doing you know red carpet stuff like the answers that you get are always just like media trained so media trained so generic like I'd go online and I'd see that they'd given the same answer to like three other outlets yeah. you know so to have this this is just something for the podcast for for me for the listeners and it's yeah it's special 
That sweet. was not a very quick fire answer. <laughs> that wasn't. But the, these these last four aren't quick fire. Um, okay. okay. You said that the all time favorite destination is the hardest answer. This will be the hardest answer. Oh. Who is your favorite ever guest? And you can't say I can't answer that. Who is my favorite ever guest? Who is my favorite ever guest? The, the guest I was most proud of speaking to was when we went when I went to Sir Michael Palin's house. Yes, I drove you. Alex, to that Alex side. drove me, and um, it was just it was within COVID times, wasn't it? It was, it was like in yeah. a weird window where we were it, we, we were first allowed out. So yeah. he was like literally one of the few first people that I saw yeah, out, of uh, out of lockdown, and he invited us to his house. The Sainsbury's man was still there unpacking the shopping. He was just like... Was he, was he wiping down all the bags and, and ingredients like <laughs> Yeah, like we did. And, oh, and you know, I went upstairs to his library. His wife was there saying, hello, can I make you a cup of tea? Um, so, so sitting in his office library, Surreal. chatting to him about his travel diaries, that was a real pinch me moment. Especially when I think alongside, you know, Sir David Attenborough, uh, and a few others in history like if you talk about changing the face of of travel yeah there's yeah. no one really comes in the completely. same category completely as those, those and he in, he instilled in me over i think anyone else a love of travel because i absolutely adored his travel documentaries and would have them on dvd and rewatch them we went back through the back catalogue to prepare for that. And it yeah, was amazing to yeah. when you go so far back and you realise how... Around the world in 80 days, that was his first That one. was game-changing in the totally. same way that Attenborough changed the face of nature. Yeah. Michael Palin changed the face of travel documentaries. And, and he is such a nice guy. Yeah. He has a reputation for that, but truly, he is the nicest person. I would say the episode I think I enjoyed the most was Simon Reeve. Okay. He's the, the one that I think of. Also first. a nice guy. A very nice guy, but you know, he ha they both have an edge to them yeah. in that, you know, they're not it's not bland. His his life story, I I still must tell people the whole time whenever yeah. when people ask me about your podcast, I tell that life story and it still blows my mind. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to Simon Reeve. Wow, okay, so Simon Reeve and mm. Michael Palin. Mm. I mean, obviously it's impossible to pick. Yeah, but you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last one, dream guest. Who hasn't come on? Who needs to come on? Obviously, David Attenborough. Um, Joanna Lumley, she's been in the works for a long time. <laughs> Joanna, Just, if you're on, listening, Joanna. come on. Um, and obviously, Oprah, Alex. Obviously, yeah, because that's that's realistic. Well, listen. I, never say never. Never say never. Say never. never. Uh, Oprah, Oprah, if you're Michelle listening. Michelle Obama, <laughs> please join me on the podcast. Okay, so from that very positive uh, desire and looking forwards to looking backwards to a negative aspect uh, your worst travel experience or the place you would never go back to so listeners do you think i should answer both yes i should do both yes okay fine i had thought about answers for both i so let i i should be honest here when people this chapter can sometimes be my least favorite chapter yep. in the podcast because it's an opportunity for people to either be amazing like James Martin was and just amazing. slag off a destination. It becomes therapy when it's like, I'm going to let loose on all the places that have annoyed me throughout yeah. my entire life. But also on the flip side, an opportunity to be extremely like just kind of politically, not politically correct, but just like- Guarded. Guarded. They're not going to want to commit to a destination. To be fair, I have never gone somewhere yet um, and hated it so it's not that I'm going to give you an answer of somewhere I hated but 
summer I was really disappointed by. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I actually do. I can. I actually feel anxiety rising, calling out the place. Well, what's ironic about my choice is that I think had I not been there recently with you, I could have named it as my hidden gem. So oh, it wow. has changed so much in such a in in a relatively short period of time that it's like done a full one eighty. You don't know what I'm going to say no. to you. Um, I've kind of got a few in my mind. Yeah. It's Sedona. Sedona. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, Which you mentioned on last week's podcast or t- a few weeks ago, in fact. I did mention it. Not in, well, in a way, it, in a way that it is also an energy vortex yeah. and is very powerful um, for people to travel to for that reason. Sedona. So Sedona was a place that I visited first when I was um, a child and I was just captivated by its magic. Ginormous red, red rock um ancient landscape yeah the Um, landscape is epic the landscape is still epic yeah but what has changed around it is that it has become so desperately touristy that it's high street is just full of generic souvenir shops and and strip mall type vibes it had completely and utterly lost its magic for me and i bigged it up so much to alex so you know we yeah. went all the way to arizona to this this part of the world I, I i think that um reflecting on your answer there i think there's a few things that that spring to mind with sedona one is as a child that, that, that there's a magic to the mystery of energy and vortexes that kind of can be quite captivating and almost as a child you're you're, you're easier to filter some of the stuff that's happening around you but when we came i mean firstly we had just come from zion where it's very similar rock formations very similar colors and zion is is on epic levels yeah and, and so when you arrive to sedona whilst it is amazing you've just it's been like to, a smaller you've scale. just been to zion yeah, right yeah and then on top of that you see all this commercialization of that kind of energy vortex um sort of side of spiritual side of things and it's been ramped up to such degree as an adult you look at it and go oh god this is like this is overly commercial and i think for us those two things combined led to quite a damp squib of a yeah. of a of yeah. a experience there yeah i yeah. thought you were going to say san francisco i actually thought about saying san francisco as well San Francisco is an amazing city with so much to offer. So but much. at the moment, it's not in a great way. No, no. And I also thought when you were talking about places, because when you think about places I'd never go back to, you could still have a great experience, but you would never go back a second time. The one that springs to mind for me, is again, in the US is Niagara Falls. Because it's an amazing first time experience. But the experience, the commercialization you talk about of Sedona, in terms of not the, not the falls, to be clear, no. the, the town surrounding right. it. We loved going to Niagara Falls and going yeah. on the boat and oh, it's you know it's a wonder of the world isn't it it must be maybe yeah let's check um it's certainly on some list or yeah. many lists it'll be there yeah and it was so fun going on the boat tour yeah. and doing all that wearing the poncho getting soaking wet being in that amazing landscape but it's like um kind of dystopian <laughs> the yes, actual it Niagara is. it is so yeah I mean there you go I hope that I hope that it's. I haven't upset anyone, but I also hope that you're you're enjoying the fact that I've actually <laughs> said some yeah. places. Wait, that's not your worst travel experience, no, though. No, my worst travel experience, I suppose, aside from not feeling amazing on planes sometimes, yeah. I think is an experience that we had when I was in Big Sur. In oh California. my god! Yes. Yeah. So I was in a really. We were in a Big Sur, by the way. It is a beautiful part of the world a beautiful part of california um that i would very much recommend um that you visit however 
I'd be careful for the um, arachnids that also live there. So I was sitting on um, a, on the deck of our room, and I, as a side note, I'm extremely arachnophobic. Extremely. And I felt an intense pain in my hip. Looked down, and just saw two bleeding fang marks. And having enjoyed a spider bite previously in Miami, I knew instantly that it was a spider bite. It started to bruise like and spread quite rapidly. And I began to get quite worried. I didn't see a spider, by the way. I just knew that it was a spider bite. And um, Alex and I decided that it was necessary that we went to because I didn't feel great, that we went to urgent care. Well, hang on, there's, a, there's a, a gap in between where I then took it upon myself to Google spider bites, oh, California, Big yeah, Sur. Yeah. Um, and all the articles sort of said, essentially there are two spiders. The most common spider bites are from spider A and spider B. And spider A, I can't remember what it was, quite a common spider. And the images were nothing like Holly's bite. And spider B was a black widow. Yeah. And, and actually the article said, surprisingly common bites in california and actually despite you know a lot, you know i remember when i was a kid i thought black widow you'd die in two seconds like that was it was always the spider you wanted to avoid and this article was quite calming and said actually it's quite common and, and the instance instances of severe reaction are very low and you should just check that it's not not spreading yeah. now knowing you holly did, yeah you didn't tell me did, had this fear i did not tell her that i'd read this because that would have sent her into epic um meltdown. meltdown but we went to urgent care and, and they, they drew um with a pen like around the bite and if, if it if it had spread beyond, beyond that, that then the A&E. venom was spreading then we needed to go to hospital so so i knew that i'd had some kind of dangerous spider bite and then we went on to our next destination it was carmel do you remember and i was sitting at dinner i was i know i went to a really long hotel tour with like their pr person and i felt awful and i said to you like i'm really not feeling well and you were like, well, looking at the bite and it hadn't spread. You were like, okay, well, it, it maybe isn't that surprising that you're not feeling well because I, you'd be bitten mm-hmm. by a black widow spider. I think I started crying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was fine, listeners. Um, well, well, Mike Buck had, had actually asked, what was your most terrifying travel experience? And I think yeah. that probably ticks, ticks, yeah. the, ticks the boat on that one. Definitely. Mm. Let's move on to hidden gems. Mm. Yeah. What is your top hidden gem? Okay, so I have a place and a hotel. Can Love I it. give both? So I also want to give a shout out to a few other places. Let's go for it. Okay, so destination wise, Hidden Gems, this is more for my listeners who are based outside of the US. My US listeners probably already know a lot of these places, but I'd like to give the shout out to Denver in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a great city, great food scene, amazing landscape, yep. great launch pad to what view. What was that? Um, was it Rhino District that we stayed in? Yeah. Yeah. So in the Ramble Hotel. Ram- the Ramble. It was Amazing Rhino, hotel. R-I-N-O yeah. district. Yeah. Very cool. I'd like to give a shout out to the Finger Lakes of upstate New York. Yep. An amazing, beautiful. Um, and the Catskills or just the Finger Lakes? I don't think the Catskills would really be a hidden gem for no. a lot of people. Yeah. Though we loved it. It's, I mean, you know, three and a half hours from Manhattan. So it's like, it is a bit of a hidden gem. You have to make a bit of a journey to get yeah. there. But it's like a real taste of all American lakes surrounded by... It was stunning. How, you know, inns with porches and flags and maple syrup and pumpkins. And, and actually, this, if yeah. anyone is ever planning to do like a road trip from, say, like Toronto to New York and to do upstate New York, it's quite near Buffalo yeah. when you get into the US. And it's 
worth spending two, three, four days there. It's not each, in Buffalo, to be clear. Not Buffalo, in the Finger Lakes, because there is so much to do there. And the food wine country, and the, wine there wine is insane. There. Yeah, yeah. Some of the best meals we've ever yeah. had with it. But I'm going to go with a destination that I mentioned a long time ago on the podcast. My hidden gem is going to be Ascona on Lake Maggiore in Switzerland. Switzerland. How can it be in Switzerland when it's on Lake Maggiore, you ask? But that is because a small slice of Lake Maggiore which belongs largely to Italy and is one of the famous Italian lakes, belongs to Switzerland. And there's an area called Ticino, 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 in the north, uh, in particular a town called Ascona, where there is this unbelievable blend of Swiss efficiency and hospitality and slickness with Italian style and passion and food. And it's... Like a place that we'd never been before, wasn't it? It's People a it's a great answer because Vespers. everyone leaps to Como, and whilst we've been to Como and can attest to how amazing it is, Ascona had a, a, such a more accessible feel to it. But also, I felt like it had a, a number of strings to its bow that you don't wouldn't suspect. So, I, for instance, I remember going to dinner and there was this white Merlot that they make in Switzerland. And it's the only place I think in the world that makes this wine. Yeah. And they don't export it. Cause I think Switzerland only, ex- only exports 2% of the wine it makes. Yes. Yeah. I remember. And it was delicious. Mm. And again, there's a weird microclimate there. There was that little island in the middle yeah. of the lake that had um, a tropical garden because it was weirdly like five degrees warmer than everywhere else around it. It was sweltering. Do you remember? A, Bizarre. Amazing botanical garden that and, you could reach by a little and an old house. speedboat or a ferry. Yeah. An old house was there as well. Yeah. Kind of, you could walk around. Yeah. Um, and the, I remember the multicolored front of the town. Oh yeah, p- p- pastel-colored promenade, wasn't it? Yeah. You think Switzerland? You don't think palm trees? Yeah. And like crystal clear water. And we were there coincidentally, weren't we, at the time of the jazz festival, Ascona internationally jazz renowned yeah. jazz festival and by pure coincidence. Sitting, drinking aperol by the lake, listening to jazz looking out i think that's my hidden gem because i i think that it's an unexpected destination yes you don't know that that is a part of switzerland and it is one of our favorite places we've ever been and and accessible too it's not far from milan it's got a lot going for it and i gotta say if you are looking at it tying in with that jazz festival it would be incredible because it made it truly truly magical yeah really really magical place and then my hidden gem hotel yeah i'm going to go for which Lucy Williams, one of my first guests, mentioned. Yes, yeah. Is Beltane Ranch, which is in Sonoma in the Californian wine country. If you want a like taste of American, like warm apple pie vibes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like quintessential white picket fence surrounded by Verdant ro- Hills. Verdant Hills, yeah. rolling countryside, like a cat sprawling in the sunshine like but also american warmth hospitality that's not too in your face yeah totally so there'd be like freshly baked cookies served with the wine that they grow there each room they they leave their own wine in the wine fridges in the room yeah for you to, for you to drink and only recently did we finish some of the wine. we had a we had what three four years later the one yeah. of the reds that was spectacular yeah and um home cooked home cooked meals it's like um it's a B&B. Yeah. 
It's a B- is a B&B. Yeah. Um, just high-end B&B, I would say. Yeah, but also I wouldn't say high-end prices. I mean, when you compare that to some of the other hotels in oh, that yeah, area, no, it's so much more accessible. Yes, and that's, yeah, definitely. Um, it's That's why I think it's a real hidden gem because you're in the most spectacular location. You've got the... It's a great launch pad to explore Sonoma, which in itself is a hidden gem in comparison to Napa Valley. So there's two parts of Californian wine country, really. There's Napa and then the Sonoma. Sonoma is lesser visited than Napa, which has its grand reputation. So I would say give give it a Google or have a look on Instagram. It's really quite gorgeous. Okay. What, um, are there any, this is like this. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. You've asked me them in the wrong order, Alex. Is it Hidden Gem after all time? It Worst is chapter six. You've done it the wrong way around, babes. How many times have you listened to my podcast? A hundred? Ninety-nine times. Ninety-nine times. Yeah. It goes the other I way I always around. thought that it went the most positive to the most negative, then, no, to, then to the gem. No, it's Hidden Gem, then Worst Travel Experience. Wow. Then I've, you go, my penultimate chapter is Worst Travel Experience. On to the final chapter. And I, I have listened to all 99, so yeah. that is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Well, I'm okay. I'm re, I'm redoing now. It's a new order for your hundredth plus. Okay, fine. Triple well, figures has a new order. You have the prerogative as a host today. And I guess you've already mentioned West Sussex, which is your UK hidden gem. Yeah, Arundel. Arundel. There you go. Right on to the final chapter of your travel diaries. Yes. Your top of your travel bucket list, which I know how long your bucket list is. I mean, yeah. Because we've we've got a shared note on our phone of, of, of a bucket list so it's probably 30 long so of the 30 yeah what is top do i only get to pick one or can what? i say a few no i want you to, to to anoint one as number one but we'll hear the the short list too well anyone who listens to the podcast will know that japan is picked as top of the bucket list for nearly every, every single episode. person every single person yeah <laughs> um unless they've been there in which case it becomes their all-time favorite yeah. des- destination it's i think it's the most answered for both those two chapters yeah for, without question um so japan has to be there but if i think about really where i'd like to transport myself right now i think it would be south africa yeah 100%. um i'd really love to do uh, Cape Town, the Garden Route, um, and travel more extensively around the country. The reason that I haven't gone there is because it's a really long flight, as I talked about with Divya. Uh, but I'm going to get there one day. I'm going to find a way to get there. Is there a third? Third was going to... Uh, there was like a third and a fourth. I mean, there are so many, but I at the moment, it feels like, for me, Mexico and Slovenia are the others. Okay. So Becky Price has a wonderful question yeah. linked to bucket lists Mm. where what's top of your bucket list to take isabella to a destination or a hotel do you reckon let's go for both i would love to do a trip with isabella that went around south america um more more specifically like maybe argentina chile patagonia area yeah um I, i i think to take her somewhere so far away from home again epic landscapes such diversity i i think that that's a a bucket list trip that i'd love to do with her um at some point when she's a bit older and can really take it in but in terms of hotels there are a few that i'd love to go with her and then there are a few that are adults only that i <laughs> will make it to when, okay let's do when the babysitter l- let's when do grandma could look after the adult only hotel top of bucket list it would be forestus in the dolomites we were so close to going. We were so close. You getting bloody COVID. That's why we didn't go. Don't blame me. 
you went to some football match or something, which is why we didn't get get to go. Um, Forestis is a is a hotel in the Italian Dolomites that um, is the ultimately Instagrammable hotel. So so magnificent in terms of its views, its design, minimalist, yeah. beautiful wood. Oh yeah, I'm, I'd love to. I, and I've never been to the Dolomites, so um, which are so just the, the most. Well, not the most. They are spectacular to 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 look at because they kind of go from these green hills straight into these jaggedy Mm. angular kind of almost aggressive looking they're a bit like the grand tetons in in um yellowstone in terms of just out of nowhere these enormous kind of mountain tops emerge yeah um and yeah we will get there and there's some amazing other hotels in that area that area itself is alpina another one that i love to go to um yeah so that part of the world i would love to go to um just us um hotels with her um borgo ignazia in puglia yep and i in terms of hotel i don't know if it's family friendly on or not but the i think my all-time bucket list hotel is amanzo do you know which one i mean is that the one in greece yeah yeah in fact it i i i read the other day that it was in that knives out sequel that was that epic villa that they filmed it in Oh yeah, yeah. It was all there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was an epic location. But I wanted to go there before it was in that film. It's to me, it just looks like the ultimate in terms of. I, I mean, we will we'll never get there. I don't think because I think it's ultra ultra luxury. Okay, but you hang on. I'm going to call you out here. So you're not sure that's baby friendly. So I'm now going to ask you mm. for a place you know is baby friendly, given we're now entering a new chapter where we need to be putting our our baby first and thinking about <laughs> what works for her. Of the hotels you know in the world that really welcome and put babies first, mm. what one springs to mind? Okay, so Patina in the Maldives yep. is one that I've read about as being absolutely fantastic with children and in that same atoll, the Ritz-Carlton. Yes. Um so that I imagine her like toddling around on the beach, like pitter pattering in the sea, us like hopefully relaxing somewhere for a brief moment. I think they have excellent kids clubs, but there are also a couple that are actually on my bucket list of places that we've been to already that I know are great for kids, like that I'd love to go back with her. Six Senses Ziggy Bay. Yeah, fantastic. In Oman because it had like the, the, the kids club kids there club. was amazing. Yeah, and you get, I was jealous as an adult walking past the kids having more fun than I was. Exactly. That's what you want, isn't it? And similarly, um, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, we had a wonderful experience in the south of France at Arel Chateau de la Messadier in Saint-Tropez area. I I tried my best there. And that is known also for having an amazing kids club of which, of, of course, as two... I, I walked in and, and, and started playing on the on the arcade games in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, when you went on your own for a little while. Yeah. And they had a little cinema. It was amazing. They had a, a whole kind of treetop walkway. That was incredible. Yeah. So I would love to go back to those two hotels and experience them through her eyes. Yeah. But I mean, I really hope that she has as much of a love of the world as we we do that we can take her to so many countries. I, I would, lo- as well as Patagonia, I'd love to take her to Sri Lanka and to travel again, another country with such diversity and in an easy way. You don't have to do internal flights. You could take trains yeah. or drive, go from a safari to a beach, to a beautiful city, to the tea plantations. Actually, I think that's top of my travel bucket list with her. Sri Lanka, wow. 
we've changed as we've gone through. Sorry, yeah, I've morphed my ideas. I mean, yeah. Because so actually, if we go back to the theme of this whole episode, a relatively small place where it packs a lot into a small location. I mean, Sri Lanka is, is big. It's not, it's not a small country. But compared to South America, which is vast yeah. and yeah. huge, from jumping from Buenos Aires to Patagonia, you've got to be getting flights. In Sri Lanka, you can do a hell of a lot in a very small location without internal flights. Yeah, so that's and, a great and answer. that is such a good a good. That would be amazing. I would love to go there. Right, la- last chance saloon. Oh no, more? No, this is just. Do you oh feel? Oh my gosh, I'm looking at a list of a no, lot no, of no. questions. No, no. Do you feel that there's somewhere that you haven't mentioned that you'd like to give a last minute shout out to? Okay, in general, I would just like to give a shout out to the UK. I suppose the yeah. UK is incredible, and I've not mentioned. Dorset, I've not mentioned Devon, I've not mentioned Cornwall, I've not mentioned the Lake District, I've not mentioned the Peak District, I've not mentioned lots of Scotland. The Highlands, the Wales, the Cairngorms. The Cairngorms, exactly. So yeah, I, I think there's just so much to explore here in the UK and COVID, if anything, just really served to emphasize that to me. That and was huge for us because I'd never been to Cornwall since I was about five, six years old. And because of lockdown, I think we went like three times in or four times in two years. Well, we traveled a lot. We traveled a lot around the UK during that time. Yeah. And I've, I just felt really proud, actually. And and I'm looking back at that time. I'm so happy that we got to experience so much of what the UK has to offer. And, and I'm I'd be thrilled if I could only travel around the UK for the next few years. Yeah, that's a very lovely way to end it, actually, because I feel the same. We... I've got a few trips coming up in the UK and there's just so much to offer. Well, mm-hmm. Holly, those were your travel diaries. Thank you so much for joining me on the Travel Diaries podcast <laughs> slash you on the Travel Diaries podcast. That was your 100th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. So proud of the 99 that have preceded this and where it's going to go. And I hope all you listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have watching it progress over the last three years. Four years, three years. That's so nice. That's so nice of you to say. And I can't not take this opportunity to just say thank you. Uh, Such a heartfelt thank you and not start crying. You you already are. But I mean, it has been just such an incredible journey and I can't wait for episode 200. Can't wait to get there. Thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in every week and made it what it is today because it is down to you guys listening that it's made it what it is. So thank you. And thank you, Alex. (laughs) Thank you very much. A big thank you to Alex for his podcast debut. And a big thank you to you all, as I said. Here's to the next 100. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more from the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe or if you use Apple Podcasts to press follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. If you want to be the first to find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Holly Rubenstein and you'll also find me on Twitter and TikTok as of a few weeks ago, also at Holly Rubenstein. And if you can't wait until then, remember there's the first eight seasons to catch up on. That's over 90 episodes to keep you busy there. All the destinations mentioned by my guests are included in the episode show notes here on your podcast app and listed on my website, thetraveldiariespodcast.com. Thanks everyone, and I'll be back next week.
Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.